Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Securing data. It's the focus of conversation from healthcare's EHRs to industrial IoT's smart cities. The Pro AV industry is no stranger to security either, but as the connective power of installations continue to grow and customers demand more capabilities, new security risks present themselves. Whose responsibility is it to make sure installations are safe, easy to use, and as well protected against bad actors as possible? The clients? The integrators? The manufacturers? Tim Albright, president of AV Nation Media, has a simple answer. He's coming on today's episode of the Pro AV Podcast to chat about his preparation for Cedia and dig into the recent struggles with security in Pro AV, including who's liable for successful integrations, knowing global regulation differences, and how to simply solve the security issue. Tim, how are you doing today? I am well, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. Good to have you back on the podcast. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year. Uh, I'm over here prepping for a conference I'm about to head to in Las Vegas called InterDrone, which I'm very excited about because I love some great drone technology. Has some really interesting pro AV applications, but drones like to extend into AEC, sports and entertainment. I mean, there's there's plenty of different avenues for drone tech. And I know you're prepping for Cedia right now. How's that been going? Uh, it's, it's been very interesting. Uh, so there are a number of, of manufacturers Primarily in the, in the residential space that are, you know, developing and getting ready to release some some really cool products. Uh, folks are coming down w- with the video over IP uh, technology for residential. But there's also a number of manufacturers who are recognizing the move for, for residential dealers into like commercial and commercial applications. And so there's also folks that are showing off what may have already traditionally been stuff that they would show at Infocom. They're also bringing that to Cedia because they're seeing that as an opportunity to showcase, you know, not only do they serve the residential market, but hey, we also have these commercial products that as you're moving into the commercial space, we're we're already there with you. So, you know, you you might want to consider these these products as you're moving, you know, more in, into commercial. Interesting, interesting. And have you found that transition to be easy for pro AV providers um, to bring their products, their installations into the commercial space? Uh, yeah, a lot of them. Uh, the, uh, yes, to answer your question directly. But you, what you have is you have a number of folks, uh, manufacturers that sometimes would differentiate, right? And they, you know, maybe you don't need a presentation switcher, let's say, in in a in a residence, right? Nobody's going to do a PowerPoint presentation with several different, you know, resolutions going on. So you don't need to show that at, at a residential show, but you're going to show your video over IP, you're going to show a scaler, you're going to show a, a matrix. And what you're showing having seeing is is those those, you know, infrastructure manufacturers, let's say, are dedicating maybe a a, a section of their booth say, okay, you know what, as you're getting into it, here's some, some stuff that we also offer. Um, you've got, you know, audio menu, you know, audio manufacturers who are saying, you know, yes, you're used to our multi-channel amplifiers for home audio distribution, but we also have these, these two channel amplifiers that are perfectly fine for conference rooms and huddle spaces. So I want to move into the main topic of the conversation with you, which is security of AV systems. Oh yeah. I think it's a huge talking point. I mean, it's something that shows up a lot with Internet of Things as things are getting more connected from whether it's a business point of view, you know, you're connecting um, all the functions of your building or Internet of Things with the devices you're using like 
Pro AV installations, that is a huge, huge talking point. And it also is on the commercial end uh, with things like Google Home, Amazon Alexa, and uh, customers getting worried that, you know, is my speech being transmitted to third parties? You know, how is this being protected? How um, How is my gear being protected from being hacked? All that conversation is so potent right now. So I want to know from you, since you live and breathe AV every day, what has the focus of that conversation been in the pro AV space, security? Uh, I would love to tell you that it's been robust and dynamic and we know what we're doing and, and we've got everything locked down and we've got best practices and we have standards going on. Uh, I would love to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> But we don't. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those areas that folks who know it know it really well, and they have their their standards and they have their operating procedures going on, and and in their integration houses, they have a, a good system. And there are others that don't. And I'm not here to to throw mud or disparage one integrator or another or one manufacturer or another. There are simple best practices when it comes to security of a, of a network and. There is still um, stories being written in, in the wider tech press of us not doing it as, as a whole. Two or three years ago now, there was a, a DDoS attack, a denial of disservice, distributed denial of service attack on a number of servers um, around the, the eastern seaboard. Brought down Netflix, brought down Twitter in, in those geographic areas. And uh, if you go to a, a gentleman by the name of Krebs on Security, uh, his, his site, he lists actually the all of the devices that were involved in that attack, and a number of them were, you know, cameras and DVRs and things of that, that nature. And in the middle of those is a powered, networked, two-way, professional con- con- commercial speaker from a manufacturer that 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 commercial integrators would know and love and, and put in every day. Uh, that was striking, right? Um, then you had the, the Ars Technica article that showed that a, a installed system in, in a government installation of, of a, cons- of a, uh, control system had a back door, right? And there was a lot made of that. And, and then you had another article here recently of another control system being highlighted at a, a DEF CON uh, event. That one was a theoretical, it was not a, a real world, but it was, it was show, showcasing a, an, an exploit. And that one really has kind of got me going on this, this I guess, evangelistic route of saying we can do better because there are best practices. And that one specifically, because it was so theoretical, the article uh, from Wired actually goes is, just does say that there are authentication practices that the manufacturer put in place that simply, you know, if you turn them on, then it would prevent this, this DEF CON hack to happen. And that line right there, if if they were turned on, and they are not turned on by default, they are turned off by default. And we, ha- we can have a conversation about whether or not manufacturers should do that. But as the integrators, though, these should be practices that we put into place. Changing the logins and the passwords from default should be best practice, should happen before you ever leave that client's site and letting them know what those logins and passwords are. And, and, and some of these things are, are not necessarily common sense because I say that because it's not being done a, you know, a number of times, but it's stuff that we can do. It, it's, sim- it's not simple, but it, it, it's, a, it's a, a process that we can put down on paper and say, have we done X, Y, and Z? Did we take 
the control processor? Do we take the projector? Do we take you know, the, the switcher? All these things that are, by and large, 90, 95% of the stuff that we put in are ending up on the network. So did we take that device that has a default login and password, and did we change that? If the answer is no, then do it and you know, document what you change it to and then give it to the client and let them know that, yes, it was done, and this is the new login and password. Um, I, I think that is, is, it is, it is a, it's something that we can do to not only let our IT managers know that, you know, yes, we understand that this is a, you know, this is a concern and that we are taking the steps, the proper steps that we know to safeguard not only, you know, our equipment and our network, but also your network and, and your place of business. Well, it sounds like the issue really is that both parties are sort of expecting the other to do it with something so simple. It's the clients expecting, okay, yeah, the integrators, when they put it in, they're going to change the passwords. But then also the integrators, when they're done installing the technology, they think, oh, yeah, our clients are smart enough to hop in there and just change it to something safe. But each party assumes the other's just going to do it. And then nothing happens, and then that's like a, a feeding frenzy for people looking to hack into that kind of technology. There's a, a quote that I, I reference when I talk to integrators about security, and it's it's an older quote, but it, it highlights how we have evolved over the last four or five years. And it was a manufacturer that I was interviewing, and, and I asked the question whether or not they were worried about network security. And again, this is about four years ago. And they said, no, what, what's the worst thing that somebody can do is, is you know, turn on the projector. And, and that's a little naive um, because it's not the, the act of turning on the projector or turning off the lights or what have you. But these devices, now that they are living on the network a lot of times, they're gateways, right? It's a, it's a weak point in the network architecture as a whole. And so you know, bad actors are using these these unauthenticated or, or unprotected or poorly protected AV devices to gain access to the network as a whole. And there are absolutely, there are ways around this. Um, you can completely separate the network and not have any network activity at all and not have any network access at all for these AV devices. Well, okay, that that is an option. But now you're, you're um, eliminating an entire suite of options that these wonderful AV devices have developed that require access, um, whether that is remote control, or, you know, remote access, or uh, network reporting, or you know, uses usage reportings. All those options and all those features require network as a whole access, and some of them require uh, internet access, you know, access to the outside world. So separating and creating a separate AV quote unquote network is not really a real option anymore if you want all of these features and benefits. So, okay, so if that's not an option, well, what's the, what's the next step? Well, the next step is, is doing what I said. You know, you, you can create a VLAN and you can have, you know, one port between the, the AV VLAN and, and the rest of the network, and that's fine. A bad actor could still get access uh, if they know what they're doing and if the AV devices are not properly secured. So understanding, you know, auth you know authentication, like turning it on, and making sure that, that you know, again, the, the, the default passwords and, and things of that nature are changed and documented um, and only a handful of folks inside both your organization and the client's organization know what those are. And, you know, I know there are a lot of mergers and acquisitions coming through the chain here in the pro-AV industry. And that makes me wonder, 
you know, do these larger companies have more um, safeguards in place for this kind of thing to make sure that the security is on lock, the the little things are in place, but also the more complex, um, you know, backend technology to make sure that the gear is safe. Is that coming down the chain as well with these mergers and acquisitions? Or as smaller companies are being taken over by the big players, is there a disconnect there? And then there's actually more risk for security breaches. Okay. Manufacturers, I, I, there is the potential for things to get um, left and for things to get lost within the, the process of, of doing the acquisition. Whether it's letting folks go and, and you know those folks knowing where, where everything is hidden and all the ins and outs are. But m- most manufacturers have a very good documentation process. Um, they know the code and, and even if someone leaves, whether it's, you know, being let go or they, they leave of their own volition, they have in, in the code and in the documentation where all the ins and outs are, right? And ins and outs is a nice way of saying the back doors uh, and the security issues and, and the vulnerabilities. So there, there's, you know, as you're doing the acquisition, that process has to be transferred and that knowledge has to be transferred to the acquiring manufacturer so they understand. And they know what all of the potentials, uh, potential risks are uh, of you know product A, product B, product C. Integrators, though, as as they're moving uh, and, and changing and, and acquiring folks, um, that actually I think is a bigger uh, is the bigger potential issue because sometimes documentation doesn't necessarily get transferred over or it's held in a local office um, because a lot of times the acquisitions are you know uh, you know medium-sized companies acquiring somebody in a new market and so that documentation is held locally where it might be better served to be held in a central location so they can apply their best practices to existing customers and say oh wait you know what this does not meet our standards we need to go back into this client and you know get them up up to par from a security standpoint uh, with the rest of our clients. So do you think that responsibility for making sure that integrators are well educated on the security of of their products, do you think that falls down to the larger company, right? The bigger fish that is um, merging, consolidating, uh, acquiring? Or do you think it falls more to the actual integrators themselves, like the people going in, integrating the products? Do you think it falls to them to turn to something like Avixa, let's say, and take some personal lessons, right? Or or try to find, you know, like, okay, we encourage you to do this, but we don't really have the resources to do it, so you need to do it on your own. The last person to touch a network is the one most responsible for it. And I say that knowing who that usually is, and that's usually the integrator. It is their responsibility. I was as a, a part of a PSNI event uh, about a year and a half ago. And a woman by the name of Teresa Payton, who was the first, I want to say, CIO of the White House under uh, George W. Bush, she did a presentation and she's a security expert and she was doing question and answer and and, an integrator asked about liability. She made the comment that if you're touching customer data at all, you are liable. Uh, And I would actually take it a step further. If it can be proved that you are a point of weakness and you are the access point for a bad actor, you would also, you could also be held liable. That means both financially and, and in a civil suit. 
So, and I'm not a lawyer, so don't, you know, don't take legal advice from me. Uh, but check with your lawyer and lawyers and check with your, your insurance companies and make sure that you are covered. But also put into practice the best practices to make sure that you're doing everything you can. Every security expert known to man will tell you there is no such thing as a lockdown 100% foolproof network. The only one that exists is when you unplug the network jack. That's a completely, you know, unbreakable network. So let's start there. You know, there, there are folks who, if given time and resources and, and they have passion or the need to get into a network, they're going to get access to it. But you should not be the easiest, weakest link for them to get into. Because if you are, and it can be proved that you were, then you, you set yourself up for some pretty substantial you know, damages, depending on, on what happened once they gained access to the network. And I think that presents another potential issue, which, you know, as integrators are becoming more global and you have more companies that are looking to be able to create similar experiences in the states across the seas easily. And, you know, that that puts integrators in more global environments. And I feel like those global environments are going to be different. You know, you're going to deal with different networks, different kinds of security issues. What kinds of differences do you see and how could you see that being a challenge for integrators, um, you know, trying to set up these networks on a global scale, multinational? Um, do you find different challenges in different countries and different sects of the world? Vastly. Everything from as simple as um, local and regional and countries-wide regulations and laws that require you to do, to do certain things. GDPR is, is, a, is a simple thing to point to. It doesn't necessarily impact um, dealers in, in the installation. Um, GDPR is, is an EU regulation. Uh, and if you, you know what you know, GDPR um, stands for, it is the uh, government regulation that requires folks to make sure it's a, it's a double uh, opt-in for email list and, and make sure that you understand that what you, you are signing up for and that the person taking your information is going to protect it. Um, that is a, an example of a local, you know, EU-wide regulation that impacts that would impact dealers if they're trying if they're gathering um email lists those same types of regulations are you know don't necessarily translate to you know southeast asia or to the u.s or to canada or to mexico so the dealer it's the dealer's responsibility to understand the regulations and the laws that govern networks and govern security in the area that they are installing this system, not where they live and not where their, their clients, you know, corporate headquarters are, but the office that they're actually working in and where they're actually rolling up a network, the laws that govern that geographic area, they're responsible for knowing and they're responsible for following. And you're, you're right in, in the fact that, that this is going to become a little bit more complicated for folks as the, the, the global integrator, you know, comes comes to fruition, whether it's AVISPL or Whitlock or, or Varix or, you know, uh, multi, these um, multi-regional uh, and multinational uh, groups like PSNI and, and the Global Alliance, you know, these folks are, are doing great jobs taking their, their multinational clients and being able to recreate this great experience that they've had in, you know, the, the office in, in New Jersey and, and translating that and, and transporting that 
to someplace else, you know, around the globe, that experience, you know, it should be able to, to be translated. That's great. But sometimes the process of, of transmitting that to this new location is going to come with its own difficulties when it comes to security regulations in country. Um, and that would be, you know, not just necessarily, it's not the client's responsibility to let you know, hey, by the way, you have to have this. You have to have uh, two-factor authentication on all of our network devices because in, in India you have to have that. And I'm using that as an example. I don't know specifically if you have to have that in India, but, you know, let's say that in India you have to have two-factor authentication and it has to do, to do um, this sort of, of security protocols. Well, it's not your client's responsibility to let you know that. It's yours. Because again, the last person to touch that network is likely the one most responsible for it. And if you don't know and you don't do what the law says you have to do, then you're, you're, you're opening yourself again, again up to a, a liability. It's frightening out there. But at the same time, it's reassuring to know that it doesn't take that much effort to solve the issue, right? That if people just make sure that they are educated on the simple installation guidelines, making sure that they know the laws of the area that they're installing their products, and then also doing little things like you said earlier, changing the default passwords, right? Such a simple thing, but if you don't do it, you are just creating a perfect environment for bad actors to get in there and steal data. So it's it's good to know that the solution isn't that hard to accomplish. It's just getting everyone on the same page. It is. It is. And, and, and we use the login and password as a simple example, but it is. And that and I, I don't want to necessarily harp on that, but I, I go back to the DDoS attack and, and Krebs on Security's example. The fact that a, a, a two-way speaker was used as part of a, of a botnet storm should never happen, right? Um, it, and we have to change people's mindset when it comes to these devices. It is a network device. If it has a network jack and it's on your network, it is a network device and it should be protected as such. Uh, I don't care if it's a speaker. I don't care if it's a projector. I don't care if it's an occupancy sensor. The, there is the, the possibility of any network device, if a bad actor can get into it, they can use it for nefarious purposes, whether that's getting into your network or using it again as a, as part of one of these these botnets and create a a storm against a a server or a, a a farm of servers. So if you're doing everything that you can again, changing the password, putting in you know authenticate, turning on authentication, then you've done everything you can. And <laughs> I, I one of my security friends said, "Look, hackers are lazy, right? Hackers are just lazy. If if you if you've changed the default login and password to something." They're going to move on to somebody else who doesn't take security as, as seriously as you do. So they're not going to use your system. You're not going to use your device. They'll move on to somebody who hasn't changed the login and password or who doesn't have a login and password into their, into their network. I did a presentation uh, about a year or so ago um, and I, talking about network security and AV network security. And there was a, a website called Shodan, Shodan.io. And it's a search engine for internet connected devices. And if you go on there and you type in the name of an AV manufacturer, I don't care who you do, they're going to give you the IP addresses of any publicly facing device that matches that search query, right? So let's say that we use Acme switchers, right? And we type in Acme switchers and they're going to show us all of the, all of the uh, I, publicly facing I, IP addresses. 
And if you know the, the login and password, the default login and password for Acme switchers, you can access that, that switcher with the IP address provided and type it in. And suddenly you have access to somebody else's switcher that's on, you know, some campus somewhere or some Fortune 500 company somewhere. That's a scary thought that something that somebody like me who is not a hacker in any way, shape or form can pretty easily go and, and get access to, let's say, a wireless presentation system or somebody's switcher or somebody's projector. If I was a hacker, so suddenly I have access to this person's network. And all I had to do to prevent that was, again, to change the login, the default login and password to something else. Um, and we can have a conversation you know, later with, with smarter people than me about you know, how many bits and this, that, and the other, and the encryption rate, and whether you need to use symbols or uppercase and lowercase and all that jazz and 16 and 28 characters. That's a different conversation. But change the flipping default. Let's start there. And then we can have those other conversations. Right, exactly. Well, I want to thank you for having this conversation with me because I think it's definitely important to just look at the simple, the simple things. Yes, security is an issue. What can we do to change it on a really standard basis? And yeah, I, I think it's important for integrators to take on a personal basis responsibility over the things that they're integrating and not relying on you know, the, the bigger fish, the company taking responsibility. Because like you said, the last person to put that plug into the wall is the one that is going to be held liable. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and helping us better understand this issue of security within Pro-AV. I, I think it's a big hot button issue right now, but at the same time, like we said, it's an easy one to solve. So thanks again for coming on helping contextualize this. Anytime, Dean. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Oh,